If you run from a bully, they will chase you. Let's talk about it on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Greetings, everyone. This is Pushback, and I'm Dr. Johnny, and I don't need to hit the ground running here for this podcast because I have a lot of ground to cover. So I want to just get right into it. The title of this podcast is Don't Run From a Bully. And uh, I want to talk about this in relationship to the abortion conversation that is happening now on this side of Roe v. Wade and the political um, firestorm that is being reported. I want to use the reported because being what's being reported isn't always reality. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. But there's this political uh, pushback, if you would, in regards to uh, Democrats trying to uh, create abortion as the issue that's going to get the Democrats out to vote. And so they've obviously don't have anything else to run on. And so they are going to try to chain themselves to this issue as much as they can. But it's interesting because rather than holding firm, it seems like the Republicans are also wanting to somewhat cave and become weakened on this issue as if it is a threat. And there's been no greater example of that than right here in Minnesota in our governor's race. This was very disturbing to me and uh, maybe even angered me a little when I heard this commercial being aired. And so I found it on YouTube and here is the transcript. Dr. Scott Jensen appears on the screen holding, I believe, his grandson um, very awkwardly. And that's fine. I mean, he doesn't have to be perfect <laughs> as far as presenting himself, but the whole video itself presents itself somewhat awkwardly. And you have to know from the beginning that I, you know, would be a supporter of Dr. Jensen and his positions overall, um, not 100%, but certainly much closer than I am with Governor Walls, that's for sure. And yet he delivers this commercial. So here's the transcript. I've delivered 500 babies in my career. Abortion is divisive. And Tim Walls is weaponizing the issue. In Minnesota, it is a protected constitutional right, and no governor can change that. And I'm not running to do that. I'm running because we need safe streets, excellent schools, parental rights, and more money in the family budget. Then he holds up this baby and looks the baby in the eye and says, that's what I'll fight for. Let's focus on the issues that matter. Oh, my friends, I um, I heard this and there's so many things that need to be discussed in this uh, because I believe it really was an unforced error by Dr. Scott Jensen. I don't know 
if some political analyst got in his ear and suggested that he do this. But number one, abortion should be divisive. I use, like to use the word divisive. I think that's the better way of saying it, but that's just me. I think it should be divisive. There is something happening in our country that should be considered humanly unacceptable. And so there should be a division of those who uh, are being manipulated and, and brainwashed into something that is unhuman, that is murder in my opinion. And those of us who take the moralistic stand that says that life is the most important thing that we have. He goes on to say that in Minnesota, it's a protected constitutional right, a protected right like Roe v. Wade, for instance. My friends, these issues need to be debated, need to be voted on, need to be brought before Supreme Courts and to be ruled upon. So yes, it's a constitutional right, but is it a protected constitutional right? Let's talk about it. Let's analyze it. Let's see if that is a true true position that should be held by somebody who is looking to govern. (laughs) I'm a little outraged. He is making a statement in 30 seconds that governors have no role or input into their state constitution. No, they can't go in and just erase it, but can they... Can they bring influence? Can they bring an impact? Can they actually change the hearts of the people? Is that a foreign concept that we would actually look to our leaders to actually bring insight and to demonstrate morality to us, the people in whom they govern? He threw up his hands and says, well, let's focus on the issues that matter. My friends, that hurts me. Like I felt physical pain when he's looking at this baby. It made no sense. It was incongruent to what he believes, I I think, and incongruent to what he's showing us on the screen. And he is really saying there is no greater issue. There's there's nothing, there's, there's something more important than this child that he's holding, this human life, like money in the family budget, for instance. Seriously? He thinks that's the issue that matters? If that's true, then I hesitate to have him govern our state. There's a hesitation there. I, I believe that this message that we are hearing as we're hearing some Republicans actually try to backtrack from this, that this appeals to no one. If there's somebody like me who's hearing this, and I'm not the only one, as you look at the responses on YouTube underneath the message, that they're angered and disappointed. If you're an anti-life person and a pro-abortion person, you're just going to see him as a flip-flopper, flip-flopper, as someone who's deceptive, changing his mind just for political purposes, which is apparently exactly what he's doing. And if you're neutral, if you can be swayed on this topic, then I would look at Dr. Scott Jensen as being someone who can't be trusted or who's weak or whose one goal is just to get elected. Now, my friends, I am not 
I am not naive to the issues of politics. And I know that's why it would be hard for me to ever run into the political sphere because of the compromise that would sometimes be required. And sometimes you do have to meet people halfway just to be, just to have a halfway progress. And I get how that works. And so he's seeing this, that, that the, that the goal is to get into office. If he can become governor, then he can bring more influence from that place. But there has to be a place where you can stand truly on what you believe and the belief that your governness your ability to govern as a governor actually brings an impact and can actually change and influence hearts. I did a whole series on William Wilberforce, who was in office and felt like he could actually change a culture of a nation from inside the political realm. And you know what? He did it. He did it in his lifetime. He actually felt that he could bring such influence that it would actually change the hearts of the people. That's a direct quote. Why does Dr. Scott Jensen believe that he can't do that? Because somebody in some, some pollster someplace told him that he needed to change his tune. And he needed to bow to the bullies. Let me just give you a few responses underneath the YouTube video that I just read. He said, I'm sorry to hear your stance on abortion, Dr. Scott Jensen. I will vote for you to get power-hungry Governor Walls out of office, but people like me will be putting up a candidate that will support life in the next election for Minnesota governor. I'm disappointed that you waited to tell voters this. Avoiding telling truth is the same as lying. Another one says, you just lost any chance you had by taking the wrong side on the abortion issue. It's if it's as if you're saying directly to that innocent newborn, yeah, I know how fragile your life is, and I know that you're fully human and all, but you're just not special enough to fight for. Ouch. That's the way it felt. It felt dark. It felt retreating. So he probably knows that most of us in my camp won't vote for walls, and so he doesn't have to try to appeal to that. And he's trying to draw in some of the walls supporters by saying, Hey, let's look at the, some real problems that we have, like the economy and inflation and gas prices and immigration and all these different things that have been a disaster under the Biden administration. But when you govern, it involves leading and directing and operating in authority. I believe President Trump actually did this quite well. He knew what he was running on and he kept his campaign promises. And as hard as it is to hear, I believe Biden is actually leading, directing, and operating in his authority, even though we don't like it. And what he's doing seems actually not very beneficial for the country. But he is governing as his electors elected him to govern. We can actually affect change in a position of authority. We can actually state and articulate our cause. And in this particular cause, I believe that we actually have the superior, superior moral argument. Let's not forget that. We don't need to be bullied. We actually have the stance. So let's contrast Dr. Scott Jensen with Mike Pence. Coming from an article by Philip Wegman entitled Mike Pence, Abortion Bans More Important Than Short-Term Politics. Hmm. 
The former vice president toasted the Supreme Court for overturning Roe v. Wade and celebrated the lawmakers who had confirmed the conservative Supreme Court majority behind the landmark Dobbs decision and told those gathered for a gala hosted by the pro-life Susan B. Anthony group in the nation's capital that they had only reached what he called the end of the beginning, which is certainly my stance as well. He says, I welcome any and all efforts to advance the cause of life in state capitals or in the nation's capital, Pence told RCP when asked about legislation to institute a federal abortion ban. And I have every confidence that the next Republican president, whoever that may be, will stand for the right to life. It is imperative that Republicans and conservatives resolve here and now that we will not shrink from the fight. We don't need to. He just believes advocating for a national abortion ban as well as individual state restrictions is, quote, profoundly more important than any short-term politics. Listen, Dr. Scott Jensen. And despite the risk touted by various GOP political consultants, he believes that those state and federal level efforts will not harm Republicans' chances of taking Congress. I'm convinced, he said, that enthusiasm among pro-life Americans in states across the country is equal to or greater than any new motivation by people that support abortion rights. And polling has actually backed this up. There's been maybe a 1% to 2% change And most people are actually having a change of heart. The political climate and culture is changing. This is what we've been praying for. This is what we've been calling for. So now is not the time to shrink from the fight. White House strategists have made the opposite bet. And since the Supreme Court decision, President Biden has branded those who would restrict abortion as ultra-mega-extremists. Asked about how that label applies to the pro-life lobby, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre told RCP that when you are not with where a majority of Americans are, then that is extreme. I'll talk about that just in a second. Anyone looking for extremism ought to be looking to the position that President Biden and the Democratic Party have taken on abortion. The former vice president shot back, citing Biden's flip-flop on the Hyde Amendment, which bars taxpayers from funding for abortion, and his support of abortion all the way up to the moment of birth. Pence argued that it was incumbent upon Republicans to call out Democrats in the White House for their stance on abortion, which is out of sync with the American people and, frankly, has resulted in America being out of step with most of the Western world. According to a recent Harvard-Harris survey, 72% of Americans support a limit on abortion no later than 15 weeks, while 90% oppose abortion without restrictions. That's what the Democrats are proposing. Achieving that outcome has been the motivating cause of Pence's career. In Congress, he was a regular supporter of legislation to limit abortion. Later, as governor of Indiana, he signed a bill into law that outlawed abortion on the basis of race, gender, or disability. Exactly one week after his inauguration, he became the first vice president in history to adjust the March for Life in person, the highest-ranking United States official to do so until then-President Trump followed suit three years later. It's called influencing culture, shaping culture, not shrinking from the fight. My consistent message will be to legislators and to governors around the country and the leaders here in Washington, D.C., is to by all means advance the cause of life, Pence said. In his mind, just half of the work is done. 
Conservatives, he added, must recognize that it may take us as long to restore the sanctity of life to the center of American law in every state as it took us to overturn Roe v. Wade. We never thought Roe v. Wade was even touchable. And now Pence has vision for something greater and bigger, and that's where we need to stand, and that's where we need to not compromise. So listen to this paragraph. Pence added that he, quote, put such a premium in my life on the cause of the unborn that by now he was able to discern between legitimate concerns and efforts of opponents to create distractions in public debate. And this seems just that. He concluded that it is incumbent on all of us to take the court at their word and focus on on advancing the cause of life. The mission will not end, and they report if he runs for president, it will almost certainly be a hallmark of his campaign. The inalienable right to life is enshrined in our founding documents, end quote, Pence said. And however long I have left in the public debate or on this earth, I'm going to be part of advancing the cause of life across this nation. Amen, and I second the motion. (laughs) That's the stance. That is called governing and that is called leading. And we have the moralistic high ground here. We do not have to shirk and we do not have to succumb to bullies. Kristen Hawkins uh, wrote a commentary entitled Biden and allies betting voters like abortion as much as they do. But I think they're wrong. Listen to this. No matter who does abortion polling, it's clear that the Democratic Party platform and their agenda of abortion through all nine months for any reason at all and with taxpayer funding is a loser with most Americans. Given all the recent stories claiming that Democrats are rising in the polls because of their support for abortion, a fact check is needed. Be reassured, my friends. The math contradicts today's popular narrative because Americans don't want the radical abortion agenda pushed by Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer. Schumer. Case in point, a Harvard-Harris poll in June of this year found that not only did voters have tremendous concerns about the economy, Biden's overall performance in mental health, and runaway inflation, only 10% supported allowing abortion through all nine months, which mirrors other findings. And 7 out of 10 supports limits on abortion. And my friends, of that 7 out of 10, many of them are going to be like me, which thinks we should limit it extremely, that life begins at fertilization. There's a Student for Life's Demetri Institution. It's a pro-life advancement group that actually does polling just on millennials and Gen Zs. And there is a shift. 8 out of 10 wanted to move a vote on abortion policies in their state. That's up from 66% last year. And three out of four millennials wants limit on abortions. Asked about Roe's radical reach to all nine months, six to seven out of 10 rejected it. These are the young people. Students for Life found an immediate 10% shift from young people saying they supported Roe to opposing it. There is a climate change. There's a wave shift that's going on here and we need to be emboldened by that listen to this paragraph normally when a political party's agenda is rejected by 90 percent of the american people their political opponents know they can safely express an opinion unless the issue is abortion a winning issue for those who know how to talk about it 
So why not make a strong case? If you run from a bully, they will chase you, including in the media or in a debate. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's to embolden us to have speaking points where we can engage the people who are around us, real voters, real people who care about this country, and that we get to begin to have a conversation that they may never have even considered. They just get spoon-fed information from a liberal media that tells them what they should think and what they believe. And yet there is a moralistic argument here that is essential for us to reproduce across our country. Consistently, abortion has been a motivator for pro-life voters, and it will be again. Even this week, Joe Scarborough and Whoopi Goldberg dared to say that Christians are heretics and that they actually don't believe that the Bible, and and that we don't believe the Bible because they said nowhere in the Bible does it say abortion is wrong. And Whoopi Goldberg says, well, God gives us free choice, so it must be in the center of his heart. We are so weak in our position right now and that they are going on the offensive, pun intended, they are being offensive, (laughs) into our territory, the Bible, and they're preaching to us about what the Bible says. It's, It's ludicrous to think that the Bible would specifically address a 21st century issue. And yet it stands on life and the sanctity of life and the beautiful thing, beautiful place in which we were created in the mother's womb. Our country is participating in child sacrifice on the altar of blind selfishness and convenience. We've seen that in history before. Now we need to take a stand. We need to go on the offensive and appeal to the superior, moralistic, and biblical argument. We need to debate. We need to challenge. We need to not let them hide behind their media shield, but challenge regular people. We have actually been given a historical opportunity. Roe v. Wade was just overturned. It is a miracle. But now it's not the time to rest. We cannot forget how history will remember us, and we need to be on the right side of history. On the right side of history. I've read this, I think, two times before, but this is something that I wrote. I think it's only about seven paragraphs long. With the time left, I'm going to read it because this is a moralistic, simple argument. Learn it. Memorize it. Put it in your brain. Tell it to your children. Yes, we as Christians can talk to each other and we can be super clear about what the Bible says about life, the sanctity of life, and the evil of abortion. This is what I've written before. As Christians, our position is very clear. We have been given identity and purpose from on high. Because of our identity as sons and daughters with a plan and a purpose, it is easy for us to realize the importance of human life. The study of scripture makes no other conclusion possible. However, not everyone agrees with our Christian perspective and our argument in society needs not to be purely a religious one. I believe in women's rights and liberties. However, this is not about women's rights and liberties. I obviously believe in Jesus, but not everyone agrees with me, and this discussion is not purely about religious beliefs. This discussion is about life, and the debate can be narrowed down to one simple question. When does human life begin? 
There have been many examples throughout history where one powerful people group have arbitrarily decided that another people group are less than human. During those periods in history, the decision makers could justify and rationalize their position as to the masses as it was received as acceptable. However, time would prove that they were on the wrong side of history. When we decide when life begins as Americans and in society, we may not all agree on what is right. However, the goal should be not to be wrong. We can have the foresight to not be the generation that was on the wrong side of history. So to answer the question, when does life begin, there is only one possible answer that would have us not wrong. The answer is at fertilization. This answer needs to trump all our inconveniences and rationalizations that would try to insulate ourselves with an, with an order to form other conclusions. We must learn from history. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It must be in that order. My pursuit of happiness can't trump your liberty. Your liberty can't trump my life. Once we decide at fertilization that this is an American human life, it must be protected. There are many implications to this decision, but we will never be wrong. It's a moralistic argument. It's a winning argument. You can challenge people on when does life begin, and you're going to get different answers. And then you pit them against each other and say, well, if you believe this and that that person believes that, then you actually have to see them as a murderer. We have to decide together as a society, when does life begin? And we're going to get various different answers and we have to moralistically be comfortable with the answer. And the only way that we can be is to say life begins at fertilization and we protect it. It's a simple, high ground, moralistic conversation. If Dr. Scott Jensen becomes our governor, I hope that he realizes that that he's accountable for that. That he does not need to run away from the bullies of the media, from the pollsters, from the from the the dramatization of something that I believe isn't even real. I believe it's quite possible that the pro-lifers are going to come out in full force in this election and stand up for what is moralistically right in this country. What a great opportunity. What a way to celebrate a heavenly move that took place over our nation this year. To back it up with the heart of the people. My friends, you know how passionate I am about this. I would love to hear your feedback on either side, and I will respectfully listen and hear. Go uh, pushbackculture.org pushbackculture.org or go to gofam.org and connect with me. I look forward to your feedback each and every week. Thank you for listening to me on this passionate subject and I can't wait to share my heart with you next week. So let's go together now to set and shape the culture. Music